Hello friends, I'm your host Chris Thrill, I'm a former Royal Marines Commando, I've adventured for better and sometimes worse across 80 countries on all seven continents. Welcome to the Bought the T-Shirt Podcast. Gary McKinnon, how are you, sir? I'm very well, Mr. Thrall. How are you doing? <laughs> oh, mate, it's so great to, to finally chat with you on the show. I mean, we've been friends now online for uh, several years. years. You've yeah. always been a big supporter of the channel. Your story is just absolutely unreal. Uh seven years to wait around to see if you're going to be extradited for this it's just awful he's being done by a law that was put into place for terrorism post 9 11 and this guy just isn't a terrorist you know it's mad to sort of treat him as if he's a fully blown terrorist sort of chap let's take it from the beginning what 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 computer system did you have back then um a, oh, an early pc a 386 maybe oh no no Pent pentium a uh, 56k dial-up modem so quite slow <laughs> you know it took about five minutes to download one megabyte what was it we had at school like a was it acorn we used to have or yeah, something bbc micros and uh did you get did, did you get into computers then uh, i did i think um i had uh, one of the first ataris when it had the little membrane keyboard um and that atari 2600 video game console you know playing tanks with a joystick <laughs> uh that was probably late 70s early 80s and then um yeah then I got a proper computer and still an Atari a uh, little basic cartridge started loads of programming basic and yeah that was my start that's when I got hooked on computers how did it come around that I mean how does a person hack in to what was it was it do you want to t tell it was it the CIA and NASA and it was um army navy air force and nasa okay yep. and how did you decide that would be a good idea or uh, and w w is it fair to say your asperger's had an a bearing in that decision or yeah after the diagnosis i was told that it's typical of uh asperger's sufferers or whatever you want to call them um to have these sort of truth crusades and feel like you know they're, they're going to do something that will help the world get some truth out about something so um that helped explain it a bit to me because my mates at school always thought I was a bit weird used to call me robot I was very still and um yeah quite obsessive with things I'd get into something and just you know try and knock it out of the park if I could for a long time <laughs> It's funny when we talk about personality orders, I'm not going to say disorder, <laughs> like I'm always getting accused of having a few people think I'm ADHD and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. A couple of psychologists that analyzed me, they said that they thought I showed signs of ADHD and, and a little bit of bipolar, but they, they love their labels, don't they? You know, have you ever heard of Da Vinci syndrome? No or da Vinci personality it it's basically what they reckon Leonardo da Vinci was because he was a genius wasn't he yeah but apparently it's it's people that get onto things like projects that, that they want to and they just go 
hell for leather for it. You know, work all they work like 48 hours in a row because they just love. And then when the product's like almost finished and they prove that they can they just lose interest. <laughs> and, and that's I'm, I'm no genius, but that sounds like me, that part. <laughs> yeah, somebody 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 said to me, Hey Chris, you realize you're just like a typical Da Vinci personality. Very <laughs> I think in touch with your right brain as well. Having Asperger's, do you think you weren't able to think of the consequences? Um, I knew the consequences. Um, apparently, I'm quite low on the spectrum, you know, I'm not sort of full-blown autistic. Um, but the consequences in our country would have been six months in prison at worst under the Computer Misuse Act, 1995 or six, whatever it was. Um, and at best, a few weeks community service. Um, so it was only later on that it turned into facing 70 years in an American jail and being threatened with Guantanamo Bay and being prosecuted under military order number one, secret trials, no press allowed. It just got, you know, ridiculously off the scale. And how old were you when you did the hacking? Uh, 36 when I got arrested, so about 35 when I started. Gaz, you can tell your story. Was it were you were you looking for UFO evidence? Is that that's what I I think I heard? Yep, obsessed by UFOs, and um, I'd read a book by a, a bloke called Stephen Greer uh, called The Disclosure Project, and uh, he did amazing work. He had um, about four hundred witness testimonies, and these were people they were in you know civilian air traffic control, uh, military radar operators. Um, somewhere in the CIA, somewhere in the DIA, the Defense Intelligence Agency. Um, some were responsible for whether or not to launch nuclear missiles, Strategic Air Command. Um, so some really credible, serious men and women. And uh, they were all telling these incredible stories about what they'd seen on radar and multiple witnesses, multiple radar contacts. There's a whole fleet of them. Look on the ASA. Going against the wind. The wind's 120 knots to the west. Oh, that thing, dude. That's not our LNS, though, is it? It's not. That is the LNS, dude. Well, if there's like another thing, it's rotating. And uh, one particular witness, um, she worked at NASA. She was. Uh, and as a launch slide specialist, so she took photographs, all the rocketry, all the hardware, and she has secret clearance because she took some, you know, fairly close up photos and stuff. And you'd see um, technical details would be revealed if you knew what you were looking at. And um, she worked, She her story was, she was working in Johnson Space Center and she said she worked in Building 8, it's a very specific location. And um, that across the corridor from her, she had a colleague and this chap called her across one day. He said, Donna, come and look at this. And um, he shows her one of the photographs because he was a photography expert as well. And uh, he says, he show, he points to this, it's a high-res satellite imagery and um, of the earth. And he pointed to this big white disc in the photo above the trees. And this is the days of analog photography. Um, so she said, oh, is it a blob on the emulsion? You know, the way they used to develop it, putting it through the, the silver water. And he said, yeah, but Donna, blobs in the emulsion don't have shadows. And then he pointed out the shadow that was conforming to the terrain beneath. And he said, it's a flying saucer. And um, his job, this whole room, was a, a laboratory uh, that NASA had dedicated to 
airbrushing out the UFOs from their satellite imagery because they're so common. <laughs> they saw them all the time, yeah. And because NASA sells on the imagery to universities and stuff, they had to have this airbrushing lab to remove them, remove any sign of it. Mm-hmm. And um, so I thought, well, crikey, that's um, that's very specific. Johnson Space Center. Um, I was either already in Johnson Space Center with the hacking, or I'd been in. I've definitely been in other space centers. And um, the technique I used to get in was blank password scanning. There was no security whatsoever. Uh, they had no firewalls. And, you know, if you log on at an office, your name's Chris, your password's Royal Marine. They had literally no password. It was blank. So I wrote a very simple script in a programming language called Perl. And um, this scans, it could scan like um, 65,000 PCs in about eight minutes once I was on a fast network. And uh, it would retrieve all the PCs with blank passwords, but then I'd have to manually connect to them to have a look. That was a slow part of searching the files, etc. So um, I did that same technique on Building 8 uh, on Johnson Space Center. Um, used various Windows admin commands to strip out all the machines that were actually in Building 8. And luckily, NASA were very good at their um, auditing, and they'd fill in all the common fields. So I knew which machines were in Building 8. Uh, same blank password scanning technique. And um, there were only about a dozen that were in Building 8. But the first one I looked at really conformed to what Donna said. Normally, you'd go in these machines, and it's like anyone's desktop, because I was using remote control software, a bit like PC Anywhere. Um, so you can move the mouse and click on the folders and all that business. Um, but these machines just had two folders. Uh, one was called raw and one was called processed or filtered and unfiltered. And I thought, well, this sounds like just what she said, you know, in comes the, the pictures with the UFOs in them and out goes the processed ones when I've brushed them out. And, uh, I double clicked in that folder and I'm looking at the picture files, the image files, and they're in a, a proprietary NASA format, not JPEGs or GIFs or anything I was used to. And um, so I realized I didn't have this software to look at them. And also they were like 200, 300 megabytes in size, really big files for the day, because it would take five minutes just to download one megabyte, so hours and hours for me to download one of these. Um, so my only option, and I was conscious of time as well, in case you know, I got caught, um, was just to double click on one and see it appear. You know, the associated software would launch. But because this application I was using was very slow, um, I had to turn down the color to, I think, maybe two bit or four bit color, uh, turn the resolution down to about 640 by 480. Mm-hmm. And then you see this picture start to appear. And at first, it's just sort of black and gray. Then you see the hemisphere of a planet. And then I saw this tube shape appear. And it was, I mean, this was low resolution, l- low color, but it was definitely some kind of craft floating above the hemisphere of the planet. And, um, it came down more and it was a classic tube shaped cigar a cigar shaped ufo uh, but slightly flattened at the ends which you don't hear many reports about but it did also have the only thing that looked man-made about it was um you know like the radar stations at Mammoth hill look like golf balls the yes. sort of geodesic pattern it had those on it above and below and to the left and to the right and um but it had no seams or rivets or panels or writing, or exhaust ports, or rockets, or engines, anything like that. Um, so it looked either not man-made, or really futuristic, you know, like some kind of secret technology. And um, so this was my eureka moment. You know, I confirmed Don Hare's story. I was getting a picture. I was thinking, oh, I can send it to the newspapers. I can do all this, do all that, blow it all out of the water. 
and then someone was on the bloody machine weren't they i saw the mouse move over to the bottom right hand side where your clock is and he brought up the the LAN icon local area network icon he right clicked pop-up menu comes up he chose disconnect and that was me shut out wow so yeah it's my eureka moment but also my oh shit moment you know let's come on guys and talk about how they tracked you i'm i'm guessing ip address or something but ufo so three things come to my mind either like a nasa project an actual vehicle that they've designed or yeah. some 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 military industrial type vehicle or an interdimensional vehicle from the the multiverse as it were yeah or an actual like physical geographical vehicle that goes from one planet to another what 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 do you think we could be talking here coupled with the only other document I found was a spreadsheet on a, I think it was I'm pretty sure it was on a Navy system and um this this spreadsheet was called non-terrestrial officers which uh got me you know very excited and it had lists of um people's names lists of ships names uh, you know, an Excel spreadsheet with multiple tabs and it had uh, lists of exotic materials like a barium titanate and strontium and, you know, some I couldn't even pronounce, like molybdenum, I still can't pronounce that one. And really weird, like heavy metals and strange, just really strange stuff. And um, ship to ship transfers, fleet to fleet transfers, loads of tabs on this. And I thought, well, non-terrestrial officers, I don't think it is little green men. So I surmise in the end that coupled with the image, that maybe there's a, a secret space force, basically. And um, that's what it pointed to, rather than, you know, aliens. Could they keep something like that a secret? Yeah, I'm sure they can keep secrets. I mean, lots of these people, they work as well on um, what they call SCI, secret compartmented information. So everyone does a part of the job, but no one's got the big picture. And also, you know, they sign the American version of the Official Secrets Act. So you're in a world of shit if you spill the beans and so going back to then to how did they how did they track you what how, how did you know that you were really in the shit yeah I got a bit a bit uh the old ego started running away with me I thought god this is this is way too easy this got a bit of megalomania set in and uh I started being sloppy because I used to cover my tracks I'd like hack into an American library or you know something at a university and then from there to somewhere else and then from there into um like a low level military network like a logistics or support or something and once you're on those networks the other networks automatically trust you because you're coming from a, a military ip um, but i started just doing a direct connection or just one jump or two jumps and so i'm pretty sure that's how they caught me and i was using different dial-up accounts at the time aol was popular there were other ones and uh, they never actually told me how they caught me but um I think it was British Telecom I was using at the time when I was caught, British Telecom dial-up. Uh, my girlfriend's, unfortunately, she wasn't happy about that. And uh, yeah, all they had to do was say to British Telecom, oh, we, we had this IP address on this date at this time. Can you tell us who the owner is? So the police, when they came around to arrest me, uh, it was like eight o'clock in the morning. They'd been up all night anyway, felt like crap. And uh, suddenly I've got an officer working his finger in my face while I'm lying in bed. And um, they said they, they only knew the address. They didn't know, you know who was operating the PC. They just knew that it was from that address and that it was in my girlfriend at the Times account. 
So they said I was actually under physical surveillance for like a week or so before they made the arrest. Um, but they soon realized that whoever it was hardly left the house. You know, I, I wasn't even getting dressed in them days, probably not even washing half the time, sitting up drinking beer, getting a bit stoned on the old wacky backy, having, uh, having a little adventure. Really. <laughs> um, yeah, totally obsessed. God, it's funny thinking back on it. But um, um, it was the UK cops, I'm guessing, that knocked on your door. Yeah, they're now called Soccer, Serious Organised Crime Agency. Back then they were called NHTCU, National High Tech Crime Unit. And uh, yeah, they're the ones that knocked on the door. Did and, they um, drag you away there and then? Yeah, they did a big search first and um, had about six PCs uh, in the kitchen at that point. I was fixing four of them for mates and two of them were the two I used. And uh, they took my mates' PCs, took my PCs, and unfortunately went upstairs because me and my girlfriend were renting the room at uh, the bottom of the house off her auntie who lived upstairs. And they raided the aunt's house. And so there's the horrible spillover, domino effect for the other people. Um, yep, took all the stuff, um, handcuffs in the back of the meat wagon, uh, down to the police station, Belgravia, I think it was they took me to. And, uh, oh no, that was a second, that was a second arrest because I got rearrested. Um, yeah, went for questioning and stupid me didn't ask for a lawyer. I just flapped straight away because I knew it was all on my hard drive. So, you know, there'd be no point in trying to lie or hide anything because all the evidence was there. Um, so I just, you know, admitted to everything, which they loved, of course. And, um, then some months went by and the NHTCU officers both went over to Washington and they spoke with the Office of Naval Intelligence. And uh, when they came, when the NHTCU came back from that, it was a very different mood. They'd obviously been, you know, very impressed by the top brass at Washington, and uh, were taking it very seriously now. You know, oh, this guy's a major threat to security, and he he damaged all our systems and took down a naval weapons station, and you know, the usual. Um, my friend Matthew Bevan, his handle hacker handle was Data Stream Cowboy. Uh, he got caught in '96, I think it was. And they called him the biggest threat to national security since Hitler. <laughs> so they really love bigging you up, you know, make you look like something you're not, something far worse, like a huge threat. What what year was yours, Gaz? Uh, I was arrested in March 2002, and I was doing the hacking during 2001. Ah, so you hit the sweet spot right after the events Nine in New 11. York and Washington. Yes. Yep. Yep. Terrible yes. time to be caught. Oh. Well, yeah, that's just a whole nother subject again isn't it yeah um slipping in the the loss of freedoms and the enhanced security protocols and yeah. going through the airports and taking your shoes off and just all 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 part of the new world order i, 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 I yeah I, the I, patriot I, act uh, uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty terrifying being arrested right when you the reality that oh my god i could actually lose my freedom now yeah it reminded me of i can't remember the film but there was a film where um one of, one of the lines in it was uh always listen to your girlfriend <laughs> so what are you doing that for stop doing that um but yeah that, that was the first arrest i wasn't in a cell then it was just questioning and then a second round of questioning when they came back from washington and uh, they had a much more serious tone then you know um so the first arrest was march and that interview then uh the second arrest well not arrest but the second interview was uh, june or july early summer and they were a lot more serious and then the threat of extradition came in november and that's when i knew it was really serious um because it turned from six months 
in prison or a few weeks community service uh, under the Computer Misuse Act in Britain to 70 years uh, in an American jail on paper because there was seven counts and 10 years per count. And um, But it was a complete fit-up. They um, For it to be an extraditable offence, it has to be worth at least one year in prison over there. And for it to be a computer crime worth one year in prison, you had to have caused at least $5,000 worth of damage. So they said that I'd caused exactly $5,000 damage on every computer I'd been on, you know. And uh, I didn't do any damage. My, you know, I was trying to maintain my presence there and use them to jump through and, you know, find what I wanted to find. And um, I mean, if I had done damage, they obviously weren't buying the computers at PC World, were they? $5,000, what the hell? Um, and even the Crown Prosecution Service, when they asked for evidence of damage, they couldn't provide any because they hadn't done any. Um, so the CPS ended up saying, well, this is just hearsay. It's basically gossip, you know. But um, yeah, the, the, the real threat was in November when it was extradition. Uh, and that was, you know, just very heavy. That's when you know, the doom and gloom set in. And as you say, you start thinking, my God, what have I done? You know, why, why has it got to this? Because um, that's your whole life gone. Let's be honest, now. you did them a favour. Well, first of all, doesn't it just show that the the Russians must have been in there way before you <laughs> or the oh. Chinese? I mean, these people aren't stupid. This is their bread and butter. So, so clearly... You know, it's not confidential. They're all. I think. Yeah. All, I think all the countries are controlled. Oh, you're bang on, pal. When I was in there, I could do various network commands. You can do a netstack command to see who else is connected to the, to the machine. Turkey, Holland, all the European countries, because there was no passwords. That was definitely not the only person on there. Yeah, because it was that bloody easy. And, and so, God knows what other government, foreign governments, were doing. Exactly, and any judge with an ounce of humanity which let's be honest i don't know how many of them have any but yeah. would just say listen son you've actually done us a favor you've you've shown that we've got a back door here that we need to shut uh you're just a, a very kid. widespread one you know yeah. you're, you're 35 there was no 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 mal intent that's the human way to go around it yeah that would have been the british way yeah 70 Definitely. years it just it just makes a mockery of the american system doesn't it yeah but as you pointed out earlier because it was right after 9 11 um they really wanted a poster boy for this because they if you read there's a government report by the general accounting office every year and they get like a quarter of a million attacks and uh all their or not attacks but maybe just you know a penetration attempts or whatever but they call them attacks and uh, every year they, they're never up to scratch they're never up to scratch according to the federal guidelines set down for military and government computer networks. So, yeah, I mean, they, I'm sure they did take it as a lesson, but they, they really wanted revenge as well. And to have a, a poster boy to say, look, this is what happens to you if you do get caught. And uh, even better that I was British because, you know, we're an, an ally, supposedly. So they could say, we don't care if you're from an ally country, you're still going to get your ass kicked and heavily punished. So um, it was a bad time to be caught. <laughs> Mate, you should have gone and hid in a cave in Afghanistan and then, then you'd have been all right. <laughs> <laughs> what was the stress like? I mean, I've I've had things where I mean, I've had a, a like a work tribunal and just being suspended from work and then you've got to fight your case and da da da, da which I did win actually, <laughs> just hey. in case anyone's wondering. But but I just remember the 
the stress was through the roof and i hated i hated the fact that other people can i wasn't as spiritual as i am now and so back then you know other people they they could stress me out and it was awful waking up like half three in the morning just wide awake wired yeah. on stress and that sounds it, familiar and, and you went through 10 years of it yeah lots uh, of beer, lots of beers yeah I mean what I could afford to because of course I lost my job as well I lost the girlfriend lost the job lost the flat um that was on the dole I was on the dole for 10 years I don't know anyone else that's managed that one but they were very sympathetic <clears throat> at my local signing on office but yeah so yeah I used, used to get me gyro king for a weekend get absolutely smashed <laughs> try and forget all about it um but yeah the I mean you know stress is stress whether it's relationships your mortgage your money or a government um it's we all experience the, the same the same stress if it's something serious in your life but the worst thing about this was how long it went on and the news you know the, the news just got badder and badder every time through the appeals process lost again got to reappeal blah 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 I don't like banging on about you know how bad it was for me because you know there's other people have gone through a lot worse because it was over a long time it just gradually wore away at you wore away at you because I've always been pretty chilled and you know not bad at coping with stress but it, yeah the length of time as it wore on it was just worse and worse and uh, eventually in 2008 I gave up basically I thought oh this is just I'm going to be taken over there and I did some research and I bought um potassium chloride which is one of the three chemicals used in the lethal injection and I bought enough you know so many grams per kilogram of body weight so that if I did get the bad news I could just drink that in some water and your heart stops you know nice fast easy way to go because I, I thought okay I'm not spending 70 years in an American jail I'm not giving my life although I would be given my life if I took it but I'm not you know giving them my time um and yeah I really did would much rather yeah just top myself rather than being over there for 70 years um so yeah it was bad the stress <laughs> stress was bad you also had the media obviously knocking at your door and wanting statements and press releases and all this sort of stuff yeah and that was good got a lot of media support in Britain mm. and um a few celebrities got on board you know people that I'd loved and admired in my youth like Pink Floyd Crosby Stills and Nash Chrissy Hine from the Pretenders Bob um, Geldof Bob Geldof yeah well, and so that that was mental and how did they get so galvanized was it the simple injustice of it all yeah and also we had one in someone we knew knew someone else that knew someone else that knew David Gilmore and Pink Floyd so once he was on board um yeah a couple of other people thought oh well that's you know obviously an injustice and he's, he's a British guy and and yeah and uh, Trudy Sting's wife she was great you know for years supporting us so yeah it was amazing to have that support um it, it makes you feel better even if you think it might not be able to help legally it's just nice having that kind of spiritual support you know just a little psychological support whatever you want to call it um so that was good and um the Daily Mail of course eventually ran a campaign you know so that was that was incredible that's that really helped to avoid the extradition really because um one of the few ways to make MPs sit up and listen is to have very big publicity you know big media on your side so that helps humongously yeah one thing I noticed is you look pretty cool through it all 
I mean, you was always dressed smart. You had some cool suits. Uh, didn't wear a tie, which is, you know, back in the days when this started to become trendy not to wear a tie. <laughs> I think, did I see some aviator sunglasses and and a leather jacket or two? You you look quite a cool dude and you look like you was on top of it all. I'm just wondering if this went against you or did they speak to you about your image or? It's funny you say that because I was on, um, I was on Richard and Judy once and, um, there was people in the Guardian newspaper, boo, that were commenting, oh, look, he's on television. He can't even get a proper suit. Look at his horrible cheap suit. I thought, God, is that really your takeaway from this? That my cheap bloody suit that I'm wearing. But no, I've always, they say this is part of the Asperger's as well, a bit of a stone face. So like right now doing it, I still get nervous doing video interviews, um, especially at the beginning. I've warmed up a bit now, but um, yes, yeah, so I, I never. I'm, and also, I'm from like the you know the Clint, Clint Eastwood school of. Like my dad was very stoic, you know, only spoke when he had to spoke that kind of thing. So I was brought up a bit like that. So I do have a a poker face thing going on anyway. But also, apparently, the Asperger's does that as well. Not very um, emotional. But I've kind of um you I, I said this to you earlier you, you are literally like the best podcast guest <laughs> I mean in terms of sometimes you have to pause the recording and because your guest keeps going back and forth like this and it's really off-putting or or a lot of people tap the table out of nerves um the camera shakes yeah the camera shake oh sorry folks I've just done it myself <laughs> the camera shakes but the microphone especially if you've got a microphone cable picks it all up sometimes it's on un almost unsalvageable and you don't do it you have got none of this uh <laughs> is it good countenance i think is the word so uh <laughs> yeah i hope you've got a bright future of uh podcasting or or, or certainly podcasts in front of you guys well it's funny you should say that i might be starting my own podcast but i can't talk much about it at the minute so i'll be following your footsteps yes <laughs> Oh, talking about following your footsteps, it was you that inspired me to start working out again and getting fit. So thank you. Ah, uh, yeah, absolutely welcome. Absolutely welcome. It's quite funny the amount of people that have been on my podcast and they've got podcasts and they don't invite me on it. I'll invite you. <laughs> I think yeah. it's that uh I think not I think a lot of people aren't ready for the truth in this like they're not ready for a truth conversation. Yeah. They're just quite sort of just maybe on the fringes of the matrix and yeah. It's just quite funny that we put a lot of effort in. Well, Luke, Luke certainly does. Um, you know, I'll sit in the chair and chat for anything up to three hours with someone, which I love, and that's great. But then Luke will go and spend a whole day, possibly two days, editing the not not editing stuff out. We ne we never do that unless it's unless we're going to get in trouble with YouTube. But yeah editing together the montage info about the guests putting some images in and all this sort of stuff we do all that effort for our guests our guests will get god you know thousands of our subscribers my invite onto your show <laughs> oh yeah 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 <laughs> and you can tell they're flanneling like they're like us but no good effort mate good effort you're 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 you've uh you're a great podcast guest so it's about it, uh, what, what was it these celebrities were were you did you meet them all in person no unfortunately not but I did get to meet Chrissy Hind who I'd always fancied anyway when I was a little she's still hot <laughs> but that was a really weird day I went in to actually record a song with her because we recorded a song to like a sort of campaign song 
And I was really depressed, really moody. And you're meeting, you know, one of your musical heroes. And uh, and then the, the blokes, because they were filming it as well, and the blokes that were recording it and filming it, said, Gary, can you, can you smile a bit when you're singing? <laughs> I just said, look, I really, I, can't, I, can't, I actually can't smile. I've got nothing to smile about at the minute. But so a weird, weird little dichotomy there being... Um, meeting someone you like mm. so very much and but feeling like shit for the whole day but I mean, it's all quite surreal this as well you know rock stars and prime ministers and it's just all a bit mad but it, it was great to hear him say uh that he was sympathetic um and you know we'll just have to see see how it plays out theresa may she said no put a foot down about this it's it's yeah yep. i mean i'm sure I'm, was it her personal decision do you think or do you think she was advised that look this is not a good idea yeah, that's the thing about governments. It's never their personal decision. Uh, governments are just a, a facade for people that are ignorant of the real mechanisms of control and power in this country. The real control and power is with all the departments that underlie every government, whether it's yeah. left, right, and they're, liberal, they're, monster they're, raving, loony party, you know. And they're it's, all, it's, all controlled by the big club. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's your foreign office, your home office, Crown Prosecution Service, all those departments, customs and excise, all the, all the Crown departments. That's who really runs the show. Um, but yeah, Theresa May, yeah, under, it was the, the medical evidence. Um, and they tried to do a hatchet job on that as well. They wired uh, another guy to interview me who I knew didn't like me and had tried a hatchet job previously. So we said, look, we've done three assessments, uh, plus about five before the, the three that were on paper um, for, for the time. And we said, we're not doing anymore. And we just stood our ground. It was a bit of a risk. But eventually, yeah, Theresa May was advised and took the advice that um, she should block the extradition on human rights grounds. And then a couple of years later, Theresa May was looking like she was the architect of the destruction of the Human Rights Act in Britain. So that was a bit strange. It's uh, She once famously said in an interview, I said, Theresa, what's, what's like the naughtiest thing you've done in your life? And she said, oh, I once ran across a cornfield when I was a little girl. Oh, the freedom! And, and, and the, the 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 commentator went, "Yeah, none of them drone strikes that you ordered then <laughs> on an innocent population." Um, yes, but well, at least she did. At least she got something right, mate. Hey, what what was the relief like? Yeah. Oh, I cried like a baby. Cried like a bloody baby. Yeah, <laughs> just you know, ten years of tears. It was uh, unbelievable. Yeah, and all that pent up stress. You know um yeah hugging everyone that was there um, did you have to go to court to hear this verdict or no i got it on the phone then uh i think an hour later it was announced on television bloody hell and i have to mention karen toddler my lawyer because she was bloody amazing she stuck with us for 10 years appeal after appeal you know judicial process after judicial process never gave up um incredible woman incredible lawyer and you've got no sort of right to recourse, have you? Because as far as the Yanks are concerned, you're still like, they still want you. You're still guilty. So it's not like you can sue them for 10, I mean, 10 years of that amount of stress. We know what it does to the human body and the, and, and, and the lingering effects it has in our mind. Yeah. I, mean, I, don't, I don't know if it's the sort of thing you could sue people for, but I wouldn't want to anyway, you know, another long court case yeah yeah of course just sometimes um, best to move on yeah yeah definitely we were, we chatted briefly didn't we about this chat gpt which i keep 
um one of my friends keeps asking me about and do you have any views on algorithms and silicon yeah. valley software yeah i was programming um ai uh in the 80s with you know the early neural networks and um i haven't used chat yet and uh, i haven't looked at the code but um there's no such thing as artificial intelligence it's very impressive and if you don't know how it works it can look intelligent but it's not it's basically large-scale pattern matching with very highly optimized search algorithms um but it can produce stuff that really does well you whether it's graphical or it's text like chat gpt um so yeah it is impressive but i just hope we get some good uses for ai you know like um they do use it in medical for um like early recognition of uh, breast cancer stuff like that so that's the good uses yeah uh chat gpt i know is going to be huge commercially because it basically can write content about anything for anyone um so goodbye copywriters they're going to be out of a job and that's the worst thing about ai and robots isn't it it's people losing their jobs yes just for our friends at home just to explain to you if you're not aware of what chat gpt is which is the next big thing from silicon valley it's 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 basically a, a computer program that anyone can access if you i think you have to set up an account and then you can speak into your your microphone or type a question in on your keyboard and say chat gpt um write me an essay on the difference between seals and sea lions but do it in the style of william shakespeare <laughs> and you will get back within about something crazily you know a few seconds this whole three thousand word essay written in the style of show it would be oh wherefore out thou sea lion <laughs> that is different to thou seal thus not and and and, and it's students are already using it to cheat their university um um assignments because you cannot you can't tell this has been written by a machine apparently joseph paul watson did a video the the other day which highlights the the where this is going to be used against us and as i was explaining to gazola he asked it some questions such as uh could you could you give me could you provide me with a damning indictment of joe biden president joe biden and the response from chat gpt was uh no sorry we're not allowed to you know persecute individuals it's against our policy and then uh joseph asks it could you give us a damning indictment of um donald trump Donald Trump is a misogynistic da, 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 woman abuse. It clearly uh, just just in the same way Google is clearly biased, Gaz. Hey, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I work in search engine optimization, getting people's websites to the top of Google for their product or services, and um, it won't give you because normally you can look up um, how many people search for a given thing. It gives you the monthly search volume. So, you know, 10 million people might be searching for red leather shoes every month or whatever. But um, if Google thinks that your particular market is nefarious or bad for some reason, like um, I had one client run an escort agency, it won't give you search volumes in escort agencies. It won't give you search volumes on um, CBD oil, although that may have changed now, I'm not sure, 
or cannabis or you know so they do act like the bbc a bit of a nanny state thing going on you know like they're the, the gatekeeper of what's right and what's wrong and what you can and can't see it's all stacked against us but i think it it all comes so incrementally so slower than people can perceive we're used to doing stuff day to day and if we want change like we want it tomorrow you know yeah. you decide to buy a new car you don't do it incrementally over like a 40 50 year period you you just want it now whereas these these the controllers they they play a very long game from what i can see we're talking like over centuries absolutely um, yeah because they have they have the history to look back on yes and, um, a lot of them you know public school educations much better educations than we get in the state so the, the memory of government is very long as you say centuries if not millennia Whereas we and just I, live generation to generation, all we know is what mum and dad told us. I think also when you buy into the doctrine of, if, if we call it the dark side, there must be something in there that your efforts still come to fruition, even though you'll be dead long before, for example, the new world order has finally put the capstone on its pyramid. Um, th there's yeah. something there that drives people to be part of this this long-term experiment even though they're going to be dead long before it you know long before we're all enslaved that there, there must be some they're getting i don't know if they they think they're getting closer to god or something or yeah power recognition place in the history books that sort of thing yes yeah. so one final thing uh gas uh, uh this made me smile you put a was it on photo on Twitter of you, you and your mate stoned? <laughs> yeah. it, it just brought back yeah. memories, I think, of every like youngsters when they <laughs> yeah. they're up in their bedroom, like blowing it out the window, <laughs> big, big red eyes. Yeah, they, um, pupils. <laughs> yes. Were they, do you look back at those days with fondness? Or... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd, you know, I'd always dabbled in drugs, um, you know, LSD, mushrooms. Yeah, mind expanding in moderation. But obviously, you know, I've known a couple of people that have gone too far and gone on to harder things for longer. And uh, two of my friends died of smack, uh, heroin overdose. Mm, yeah. Don't go too far and uh, make it all about the drugs. For certain people, especially those that come from quite a traumatized background, this I don't, I don't want to keep saying the keywords, but like that way of life can unlock certain qualities that you didn't know you had or certain talents and help you frame trauma in a more productive way. So it just doesn't control you for the rest of your life. But yeah. then for those of us that also, we're also predisposed, those kind of people are quite predisposed to addiction because of the nature you're escaping from this underlying trauma that that constantly has you in its grip and yeah and and that's why you see people you know they they go past the honeymoon stage don't they it's like totally. that it, it was good back in the day we've all moved on but you're still like and <laughs> yeah because for a while it gives you an answer doesn't it it gives you a, a place to to hide a different outlook Gaz, look, this has been a great chat. Is there, is there anything you need to promote? Do you offer your your computing services or your internet services to? That sounded a bit wavy, <laughs> then, didn't it? <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, just a search engine optimization. If you've got a website and you want to get out there on Google, I don't charge a lot and uh, I do good work and I'm honest, which yes. is rare these days. Smallseo.co.uk. Yeah, stay on the line so I can thank you properly, but just great to see you again. Absolutely fascinating chat. I'm sure we're going to have many more. I'm sure there's many yes. topics that we can uh, <laughs> that 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 we can cover. And I know there's so many people out there are going to be um, delighted that we've had this uh, conversation. So massive thank you to you, and uh, glad that you you got your freedom. Um, it's, thanks it, to you, pal. It's great to be on. Yeah, and it, is your is your mum still with us? Yeah. Yeah, mum and stepdad, because my stepdad did a lot as well, but he was behind the scenes, didn't want yeah. to be on, on camera and stuff. Yeah, yeah. we'll give our be best wishes to your dear mum. And uh, we'll do. She needs, she certainly deserves some recognition. Cheers, Chris. Lovely. As do our wonderful subscribers and friends out there who are watching this. If you could like and subscribe, folks, if you're not, click the notification bell. We just try to bring you the best content we can. We have the chats that not a lot of other people have. Uh, and we certainly try to do them in the most interesting way. <laughs> Much love, everyone. Thank you. Cheers, Chris. Cheers, buddy. Friends, thank you for listening to the Bought the T-Shirt podcast. Please like, subscribe and share. And don't forget to follow me on social media. Username Chris Thrall. Instagram Chris Thrall. Thank you.